The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that healthcare has to truly become consumer first, and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. We'll get there faster together, so come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We recently passed 180 episodes and three and a half years on the air. We're now in season six, where we're focusing on how to operationalize and scale consumer first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about different levels of readiness for reorienting healthcare to meet evolving consumer needs. What happens when healthcare organizations admit that they haven't been bold enough in their thinking? I'll talk about that. Then Nate Trelor from Orbita is in the house to share some provocative thinking about conversational AI, including voice and chatbots, and the very latest on how these technologies are providing flexibility and convenience. We'll dive deep into why healthcare organizations should be actively working to reduce friction, as well as the limitations of these technologies while adoption is still evolving. This episode's jam-packed, and we have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Potential disruption isn't just coming from new technology. I recently went back through Jane Sarasone Khan's analysis of the Kaufman Hall report titled State of Consumerism in Healthcare 2021, Regaining Momentum. Jane's analysis was titled New Primary Care, Retail and Tech Entrance, Motivating Hospitals to Grow Consumer Chops, which pretty much sums up the focus of Kaufman Hall's research. Among other things, the report summarized an analysis of 100 healthcare organizations to assess their readiness to embrace consumer-centric strategies, understand how the industry prioritizes these approaches, evaluate their progress toward responding to them, and identifying best practices. They segmented the industry into four tiers. Tier 1 included 7% of organizations. These are organizations that have a dedicated focus and resources to building a consumer-centric infrastructure, offering a variety of access points, strong consumer experience, strategic pricing, and price transparency. We might call these the early adopters. Tier 2 included 46%, or nearly half, which we might say represents the early majority. These are organizations that have a thoughtful approach to becoming more consumer-centric, investing in infrastructure and initiatives that are being expanded system-wide. Tier 3 included 39%, so we'll refer to them as the late majority. 
This group has begun to target specific consumer-oriented strategies, but not yet building an infrastructure for broader, sustained, consumer-centric focus and success. And finally, Tier 4 thankfully represented just 7%, or the laggards. These organizations are not working on consumer-oriented strategies that are needed to meet evolving consumer needs in a dynamic healthcare environment. What stuck out from Jane's analysis is that potential disruption isn't just coming from new technology. It's also driven by fundamental shifts in care models that are not fully provider or hospital-centric. She pointed out that there's a new vision emerging for what best-in-class care looks like, what she described as networked, comprehensive health services across a continuum, from routine services to traditional primary care via PCPs, primary care affiliations with newfangled organizations such as Oak Street and One Medical, and partnerships that can be crafted with many key services for women's health, men's health, lab services, mental and behavioral health, and other specialty and ancillary areas. In layman's terms, getting care where you want and when you want, regardless of the brand, kind of like the choices we get in a lot of other areas in our lives. My favorite line was what one respondent was quoted as saying in Kaufman Hall's report. The pandemic really upended our plans, which is actually a good thing. We weren't bold enough in our thinking. It's time to be bolder in our thinking so we can better understand, engage with, and design for consumers. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. Hey, listeners, are you ready for some provocative thinking? This week, we've got Nate Trelore, and I'm so excited to welcome him. He's in the house with us. He's going to share some provocative thinking about not just conversational AI. We're going to dive deep there, but also about what that has to do with understanding consumers better in their healthcare journeys. Nate's the chief operating officer and co-founder at Orbita. Welcome, Nate, to the Healthcare Wrap. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for having me. This was something that I feel like has been in the works for a while, just personally. I just never told you how much I was looking forward to having you on the program. And it was, it was just serendipitous that we reconnected and were able to finally bring you on the program here. I've always admired the work you guys do at Orbita. And I, I want to give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better, which we will do as soon as we break the ice here. Uh, let's start off with something that's a little unique, something that drives you to innovate every day. What's something that kind of gets you up in the morning and helps you say like, today, maybe we're going to find something new. We're going to discover something new. This could be anything. It could be any kind of quote, a story, a personal experience, something you recently came across. But what, what drives you to innovate every day. Yeah, there's a story that I have told many times about how we got into this and how I what gets me up in the morning way back when we first started being our solutions for the healthcare space, taking advantage of conversational AI technologies, chatbots, uh, smart speakers and things like that. And really, it was an experience of just early tests to understand how patients may actually use these technologies. And as I mentioned, I told the story, I'll tell it again, and then I'm going to update it a little bit. I uh, was working with a an elderly neighbor of my parents, a guy named Arthur, who had uh, was vision impaired. And essentially, all he did was I loaned him an Amazon Echo, a smart speaker. And I said, Art, I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks, and I want to see how you take on with this new technology for not necessarily for healthcare applications, but just to try it. And I came back in a couple of weeks and I said, how's it going? And mind you, Arts was at the time, I think, 83 years old. And so not necessarily in the demographic considered most techno savvy. 
although he probably better than average for his age group. But I came back in two weeks and I said, how did it go? And he said, Nate, this thing has changed my life. And I maybe in retrospect, I shouldn't have been so surprised. This was somebody who didn't have the use of his eyes. So for him to inter- interact with digital technology through his voice, it opened up a whole range of new possibilities. And that was the aha moment, something that I intuited. But to hear him say it like that it was an aha moment saying to me that these virtual assistive technologies, which have since evolved to be multimodal, not just voice, have the potential to, in this case, as Art said, change people's lives. And that story has stayed with me. It is something that continues to motivate me to this day. But to update it a little bit, as we've been in the business for now doing what we're doing uh, for close to five years, we've had the opportunity to apply our technology, help our clients tap into these same sort of power and potential that art experience, but um, more around very specific problems in healthcare. For example, post-acute care or assessment and pre-visit assessment or ongoing chronic care assessment. And we're seeing real statistics that speak to the engagement that these virtual assistant solutions can enable in a real healthcare context. And as this data comes in, as we see the impact of our solutions, it just reinforces. We figured out and intuited very early on, but it was reinforced in our first conversations with people like Art in the earliest days. And now we're really feeling like it's mainstream. And um, if there's a silver lining to the COVID pandemic, it is a validation of the power and potential and real need for these virtual care solutions. So a little bit long-winded, but it brings together a story that I've told many times about this friend of mine, Arthur, and where we are now, which is much more, much, much further along than we were five years ago. Yeah, Nate, you know what I like about this story is that you made the link between a type of technology and changing a life. And that's what we really have the opportunity to do at this intersection of technology and healthcare. And the more that we understand that, that, you know, like that can be our purpose. That can be our mission every day. And that can be what gets us all up every morning to realize, hey, here's what I'm doing this for. And I don't think we can overstate that enough, quite frankly, in, in today's uh, workforce economy and the ways that that we're all coming to ask these questions more often of what am I a part of? What are we trying to accomplish every day as a team, as an organization? So I, I, I thought it was perfect. The, the one place I want to dig in here a little bit is I think at the core of that story of what you shared, of what has the ability to change someone's life. And there is a technology involved. And I, I want to talk about conversational AI. And maybe we can start with giving us a, a layman's understanding of what it is, briefly where it came from, but then like, where is it now? What, where is it being used? How is it being used in healthcare? Yeah, the most contemporary, under the, the current contemporary understanding of conversational AI are in the form of chatbots. And we are always a little hesitant to just make the direct association with chatbot because there are a lot of chatbots out there that just don't work very well. And we liken this to the earliest days of the web when the first websites that were built were a little bit clunky and then they got better over time. Or the first smartphone apps that were really just websites swished down to four inches and they didn't work very well. We have been at that place with chatbots, which are, to simplify it, they're digital applications that allow you to communicate, not exclusively, but ideally in natural language ways where you can ask a question. So the AI part of that 
is a collection of different technologies, natural language recognition or natural language processing, to be able to take the spoken word and convert it with some accuracy to a processable digital form so that a digital virtual agent on the back end can recognize what's being asked or said and respond accordingly. So chatbots, the ones that you see up on customer support sites, typically have these type of interfaces where you can it will come back and say, ask me a question. Either type in or in some cases speak your question and it will be able to interpret your question and look into a knowledge base of information and intelligently respond. So the merits of that in a healthcare context range from the simple automation that any digital experience brings, which is being able to provide a service to a patient or a healthcare consumer using digital technology, reach them where they are on the devices that they like to use at any time of the day and to support them in ways where it's not practical or even possible for humans to. And in the healthcare world, you're trying to reach patients between episodes of care. Your options are to have a call center that can call the patient up and check in on them, which is still really the most common way that people do that, or to have some other kind of technology like these digital technologies that can proxy a human and handle the most common requests and needs, but not necessarily replace them. So the technologies behind conversational AI, like I said, are the artificial intelligence to be able to smartly or intelligently recognize natural language requests and intelligently find the answers. The conversational part is really, as the name implies, is that the engagement, the interaction between the healthcare consumer and these digital assistants is more conversational versus transactional. So a patient can say, what are the symptoms of diabetes? And the virtual assistant can come back and say, the symptoms of diabetes are thirst, frequent urination, et cetera, et cetera. And then the patient come back and say, how do I treat it? Like a human would, the virtual assistant can know the context of that second request and be able to say, you treat diabetes using these type of methods or whatever. So that's a very simple example of conversational interaction. They can also get much more sophisticated, particularly if it's the virtual assistant asking the question, hey, Jared, good morning. It's time. It's your second day of your after your hip replacement. I want to ask you a few questions. How are you feeling first off? an open-ended question. And then the patient will answer, I'm not feeling so great. I've still got a lot of pain. And then a conversational virtual assistant can handle that input and come back and say, I'm sorry to hear you're having pain. Don't forget that you have a prescription for whatever painkiller and that you should make sure you're taking it according to that prescription. If your pain is severe, here's what you can do. Is there anything else I can help you with? So these kind of conversational interactions are becoming more common. And the idea is that they can be delivered up over any modality, over a, a chat bot, over a smart speaker, potentially, and even over a traditional phone, and that they support a contextual engagement that understands the patient and what they're struggling with in the care program that they're in at that point in time.
Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. So it sounds like one of the problems that conversational AI addresses is reducing friction in engaging with patients. So let me play devil's advocate a little bit and ask, why should healthcare organizations be working to reduce friction? Why is it so important and how can that help them as a healthcare organization? It's certainly the case that patients who have access to the services and information they need to treat whatever their condition is are more likely to, well, they're going to be more informed, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that they need an AI-powered virtual assistant. But an AI-powered virtual assistant isn't a tool that's going to say, I don't have the answer to that at the moment. Or if it does, it does it in a way that offers some alternate paths for helping that patient. The way we characterize the distinction between the digital experiences that we're powering and maybe some of the alternatives is that they can combine the concept of automation with an experience that has intrinsic empathy built into it. And it's the empathy part that's important because we, what we mean by that is empathy for the patient. And uh, so the concept here is that you can increase engagement by using a virtual experience that has that conversational component built into it. And then I'll add, increasingly, we're doing these omni-channel outreach programs where the virtual assistant can start by being delivered over a text message that the patient can click on and, and interact with the bot, or it can be even delivered over a telephone line or maybe emailed as a link. We've seen pragmatically by doing so, combining the automation, the conversational experience and these omni-channel outreaches, we can take what historically we've got this data from a, a client of ours in the mid-Atlantic, what historically has been for them a 20% engagement rate. In other words, the patients respond to the outreach 20% of the time and increasing that to uh, mid to high 70% engagement rates. So from a practical point of view, that means that the patients are either showing up for their appointments and not missing them. So that's one very concrete value proposition, which is patients not showing up for their appointments, which costs the health system. Improving awareness of services, which, you know, sadly in the industry we're in, that is a revenue generator for health systems and associated health organizations. So patients who have knowledge of what services are available are more likely to request them. I, I need a colonoscopy? Oh yeah, okay. Now I know how to uh, sign up for one. And then the third thing, it's just simply uh, efficiencies. These health systems in particular are just overloaded. They've got more work and very few resources to support the, the vast amount of work. So anything that they can do to offload, say, a call center with an automated agent has a real, real cost savings implications for them. Yeah, so you're really talking about a next level or next generation of healthcare experience when you start adding in the types of encounters that you can have with a smart speaker or with a chat bot or with any anything else that is conversational AI powered, like you said. And I, I'm guessing the tools themselves will keep evolving and the applications of them will continue to evolve. I guess I'm thinking pragmatically here in terms of like, how, how do we 
explain the value of that to, to a healthcare organization? Like, how do we help them better understand that they need to understand consumers? Where does this fit into that question? Like that process of trying to understand a consumer better, does this type of technology help, help you do that? And if so, how? Yeah, I think it's definitely fair to say that when it comes to conversational AI and chatbots, when you're starting the conversation there, it's a bit of a solution looking for a problem. And so the conversation, how you start that conversation matters a lot. And um, the examples that we're working on and have been working on, I'll give you a real concrete example, which I alluded to this a second ago, colonoscopy appointments. There are 20 million colonoscopies that happen in the U.S. every year. And they're fraught with challenges. Healthcare systems are struggling with various challenges associated with, one, patients being prepared for their appointment. There's a certain amount of preparation that goes with coming coming in for a colonoscopy. And if the patient isn't properly prepared, it's a considerable waste of time and money, not just for the patient, but for the health system. And so making sure patients are prepared demands a, an engagement rate that is optimized by having digital experiences that can reach the patient where they are, that are designed to answer questions in a natural and intuitive way, can be omni-channel. In other words, be able to be delivered over uh, the different devices and different interfaces that patients might want to use. And ultimately can also coordinate with other systems like a scheduling system so that the patient ultimately is adherent to their preparation and also showing up for their appointment and um, aware of possible changes to their appointment. So a digital experience, a digital agency that can serve as a proxy to support humans who otherwise would be doing this. Most of this management right now for colonoscopy, by the way, is not digital, it's a call center. And if you don't reach the patient on their phone, then your all bets are off. But if you're able to reach them through multiple digital channels and be able to engage with them in a conversational interaction, then the probability of what essentially is a conversion, converting that patient to an adherent pre-procedure patient is much, much higher. And we're seeing that in spades in some of the work that we're doing. I feel like this is a common spot where a lot of emerging tech gets into in terms of they understand the value of it, they understand how it applies, and they're ultimately talking to two different audiences. You're talking to the clinicians who are the ones ultimately implementing the tech. They're the ones who have to work it into their workflow and use it. And then you have the ones who's ultimately encountering with it and interacting with it. So the patient. So you have the two different audiences and here you have this tech that you have to explain a couple of different values in a couple of different directions. And I admire that that effort because I think that really gets to the heart of what gives us the promise of evolving the healthcare experience, if you will. I'm of the opinion that we have a lot of opportunity to use our understanding of consumers really learn how to engage with them, and then ultimately design for consumers in a better way and and put consumers at the center of that change management process. I'm curious, as products are being developed within your product life cycle, how do you design with the consumer in mind? We've talked about the clinician side and some of the things you have to communicate there to help them understand the benefits of implementing any of these solutions. How do you phrase that? Like, How do you share the value to a consumer when you're actually designing the product? 
Yeah. What's interesting is the consumers aren't necessarily the hardest ones to sell because I think, as you pointed out, this whole concept of the consumerization of healthcare, there's some a few stats that we've dug up from various research done by the likes of McKinsey and a few other groups about how consumers are viewing digital technology more broadly, but in, in various digital technologies in various areas. Regardless of age, something like 75% of consumers believe that the experiences that they have in other industries for getting access to you know, services through digital technologies should be available to them on the healthcare side. So their expectations are already there. They're expecting to be able to book an appointment with a healthcare system with the same facility and ease that they can book a restaurant reservation. Right? They're expecting to be able to order services with the same facility and ease in which they can order products that are shipped to their house. Now, realistically, <laughs> most of us don't have that complete belief and expectation, but that's the tone. So selling to the consumers and getting them to agree and adopt to the kinds of solutions that we're promoting on the healthcare side is really not the hardest problem. And like I said before, if the pandemic has suggested anything, it's the consumer's willingness to adopt telehealth and virtual health experiences. At the peak of the pandemic, telehealth appointments are 78 times higher than the pre-pandemic baseline. So it's almost 80 times higher. And uh, it actually went down after when this would have been like March or April of 2020. It came down, but it's still something like 30 times higher. The number of telehealth visits are still 30 times higher than the baseline prior to the pandemic. The bar has been set <laughs> and it's set a lot higher than where it was pre-pandemic. And a lot of this is driven by just the necessity, of course, of uh, distancing and safety, but also uh, an awareness and, and knowledge that these kinds of technologies do work, that virtual assistants that can support a patient registering for treatment or trying to find access to a service are an effective way of reaching and patients who now have this expectation of ease of use and flexibility that these kinds of technologies provide. And then maybe the other thing to remind everybody is that I can't remember where the number is at right now, but something like 4 billion people on this planet have a smartphone. A half the population have a smartphone. And so they're already walking around with the access points to these modern digital experiences. And in the U.S. alone, 60 to 70 million people have a, a smart speaker, these next generation devices that you communicate to with your voice. So a lot of this is also driven by the adoption of the endpoint technologies. So the, the challenge, of course, is making the connection between what consumers are using and want to be using with the, the processes, infrastructure systems that healthcare systems use to reach and serve those consumers. And that's where we fit. We're going to fit at that intersection. It's so cool. You know what? Some of the words you just used, flexibility and convenience, those are definitely not typically associated with, with the healthcare experience. I think we'd universally agree to that. And, and at the same time, there's the opportunity to use this type of transformative technology to make that possible, to eventually have a time when the status quo is a healthcare experience that does feel less confusing, that it does feel easier, that it does feel a lot more like the experiences we have in other areas of our lives, like you were alluding to. So I always like to challenge our listeners to think differently, let this seep in a little bit and think about what can we do differently? What can we do now? 
And how do we use emerging tech just to better understand the choices that people are making day to day? Nobody that I know of wakes up and says in the morning, first thing, I wonder what healthcare choices I'm going to make today. We're like, I wonder which tech I'm going to use to encounter the healthcare system today. Like we don't think about those things. And when we do need to make healthcare choices, it's typically not when we're feeling our most rational, sane, level-headed. It's usually not a time when we're emotionally at our like peak center there, if you will. And so a lot of times we're making choices irrationally without all the information in front of us. And so there is another need, like there's a psychological need in my mind to make healthcare choices easier. And I, I think that's what you were just speaking to is the opportunity and almost an obligation of if we ultimately want to impact the health of our society better, then we can use and improve and evolve tech like conversational AI. And that gives me a lot of hope. That gives me a lot to think about in terms of where any work that I do or any of our listeners do, like how that can fit into that goal. And I love being able to draw like from the get-go, Nate, you're able to draw a, a line between what you do day-to-day and this higher mission, this purpose, if you will, of making people's lives better, changing their lives. And I, I think that just speaks to the power and the promise of the tech itself. I wanted to give you a chance before we close out here, any other thoughts we haven't covered about how to use emerging tech to, to help us better understand healthcare choices and ultimately design a better experience? Yeah, I, you, you said something that made me want to respond. One is, I, I do think the, the healthcare industry, and I'm pretty focused on the U.S. healthcare industry here, deserves more than just a few kudos for what's been accomplished in the last couple of years. And um, obviously, some most of that was driven by the extreme circumstances of the pandemic. But what it's shown is the ability for the industry to respond and respond to the possibility of these digital technologies to play a role. And we are seeing it in the relationships we're forming with our partners in the healthcare and even the life science and and health insurance space and how they are recognizing the power and potential of these technologies to play a role in in streamlining, maybe call them uh, legacy workflows (laughs) for lack of better description. And to be able to tap into the power and potential of what are traditionally maybe thought of as consumer healthcare or consumer technologies applied to the healthcare world. So I'm very upbeat. I remember some years ago, it used to be the, the, the trope was that the healthcare industry was 15 years behind all the other industries and in their adoption of technology. I don't think that's true anymore. I think at least uh, digital IT technology. I think the healthcare industry has is catching up. There's a certain legacy and a certain kind of drag on the industry caused by the the facts that you highlighted, which is a healthcare is just a different kind of world, right? People aren't expecting a lot of times what ends up taking them into the system. It happens at a moment's notice, and it's not the most obvious thing to do is to interact with your smartphone. And uh, of course, we're, as we focus more on everyday wellness, those kind of technologies do play more of an important role. But it is a different industry, but I'm very in heart, uh, heartened by how the industry has been able to respond and applying digital technologies. It's certainly keeping us busy and we're grateful for that. What a great place to take this conversation, Nate. Thanks for giving us a few minutes and, and sharing so much value. What, what's the best way for listeners to connect with you and the work you're doing? You can connect to me personally on LinkedIn, just uh, Nate Trelor, as you spelled or pronounced it, it's T-R-E-L-O-A-R uh, at Orbita. You can also go to the Orbita website, which is just Orbita 
It's like orbital without the L dot AI. And uh, just reach out to us on the contact us link on that website. Fantastic, Nate. Stay safe, stay well, and best of luck in everything you're doing. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for the chance to chat. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we wanna capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at shift.health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap. Thank you.